Hey everyone, today's reflection is on a few things. Honestly, this was just a half an hour ramble, but largely I talk about spiritual trauma, healing spiritual wounds, as well as some of the teachings that, while even if you have no affiliation with the church, to me, still heal wounds and bring a comfort and joy that can lift up your spiritual practice. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Peace be with you and with your spirit. St. Anthony's tongue was intended to fully and solely be about the lives of the saints as well as their folklore as well as culturally Catholic rituals that involve them. It was also meant to be purely objective with as little as me in it as possible. And honestly, I'm still not very comfortable with the amount of me that I share. However, I was told by many people very early on that my approach and my recommendation to get to know the saints and Mary on your own terms was assisting people in spiritual wounds, and this led to Q&A episodes as well as episodes purely on topics like hell, sin, reconstruction, deconstruction, and things like that. And those episodes are my most listened to episodes. So fairly early on, some of my content has also had this mission. Of course, the initial mission always is Let's just talk about saints. Let's just talk about their lore. Yes, let's talk about some things spiritually we can learn from them. But I've also had this secondary mission in my work, and that is to squash any bigoted theological misconceptions or teachings that harm people. Not only is it a mission, I think mission is very, it sounds very tactical. Um, it's an obligation, really. If you have a platform in which you are speaking about spirituality and within that world and realm of spirituality there are bigoted, nasty opinions, it is your obligation, it is my obligation then, to shut those down. And we're going to talk about that a little more in this reflection. But I've noticed that many spiritual wounds are in part a product of this lack of a personal spiritual system, and I discussed that in the last reflection. Today's religion, and thus spirituality in a sense, is, is this mental exercise. People often say they're spiritual but not religious, and I'd even argue that many people today are also religious but not spiritual, and the fact that there's even a delineation between the two, to me, shows a complete missing the point of religion overall. We are all called to unite with God. We are all called to have a spiritual practice. We are all called to be like the saints. We are all called to perform miracles, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick in the name of God. There is going to be, and there should be, a spiritual system, but Instead, what has happened over many, many, many centuries is religion has become this thing we believe and this thing we feel with our minds, and it's this checklist, it's this set of rules that we check off as very black and white, rather than leaving any room for nuance and personality in our own personal situations. 
It becomes something like, I need to pray the rosary every day. I need to go to mass every Sunday. It's, it's a checking a, a box on a list. And in doing that and praying the rosary every day, what happens? We get really, really good at the rosary and we become really, really bad at the prayer part because the tool is not the point. The tool is never the point. It's like during our wedding ceremony and we are given the ring and we are too focused on looking at the ring that we never look up and look into the eyes of our beloved. And then they'll ask, but did it count? Did the rosary count? Did I pray it good enough? If I, if I left midway, does it not count? It's not about counting. It's about communion. But this is what it has become. It has become a exercise in the mind rather than an exercise of the heart and soul. And one thing I've always admired and enjoyed and loved about Eastern religions, Hinduism specifically, is they outright teach this concept of yoga. And I've mentioned this in past episodes. And yoga means to unite with God. And there are very many paths that you can take to unite with God. There's the bhakti or the devotion path where yes, you're gonna go to church, but most of that, or temple rather, most of that is you're going to your own personal altar. You might chant a mantra all day to that version, that form, that vehicle of God. Another might be the meditation path in which, yes, you might go to temples, so on and so forth, but mainly you have a certain meditation that you are going to do all the time. There is the karma path in which you are going to unite with God through serving people, and that's it. And then, yes, there is the path of knowledge. There is the path of studying scripture. And honestly, that's often reserved for the monks and the religious. And here in the West, that's all we really have is the mental exercise. At least that's what we discuss. But if you look, if you look, if you look, people are finding God in Christianity and Catholicism in other Western forms of spirituality through service. Some of the most beautiful religious people I know are the nuns that feed people every Sunday. There is that out there. Some of the most religious people we all know, especially the people that really love the, the folksy traditions of our grandparents, our great-grandmothers and our grandmothers and our great-great-grandfathers and so on, these people were not scholars. They likely had something similar to that bhakti path, that devotional path. They had prayers that they liked. It was never about the institution. Similarly, it was never about the title or the label. It was about love. And we've gotten so far away from that. We've gotten the personal parts of spirituality. We have wiped it clean so we can follow a set of rules and scrutinize the rules and scrutinize things like, is this a sin or not? And we'll put a pin in the topic of sin in a moment. But this, this black and white form of spirituality and since this is a podcast that largely covers catholicism this black and white form of catholicism is not something i grew up with my re-entry into my comfortability with the title of catholicism is fairly recent if you look at my whole spiritual life but growing up what i see now was not what i grew up with and i acknowledge that i am very privileged in that regard I was taught at an all-boys Catholic school in the Deep South. I was taught by what I thought and what I still think were very strict conservative priests and conservative brothers, but it was very service-based. I was taught about 
yes, there, there, there's a lot going on here with, with dogma and doctrine, but go, go and help people. We would, we would do a, a day of service every month. I was also taught things like primacy of conscience, in which one can disagree with teachings of the church if it doesn't sit right on your conscience. Again, there's a personal aspect there. I was taught the difference between doctrine and dogma, and how the creed is really all that remains at the heart, and there are going to be times where you may disagree with church teachings. I was taught more about helping others and loving others and that God was a loving father. I was also taught, which still says in the writings of Vatican II and the Catechism, that even the non-believer with a good conscience and heart will enter God's kingdom. And thus, evangelizing was always a foreign concept to me in some ways. Of course, there were things I disagreed with about the church, and during my upbringing, I voiced them, we all voiced them, and I was told by priests even then that my personal relationship with God is what matters most. And this deconstruction movement to me is so odd because I was always taught to pick things apart that made me uncomfortable. I was always taught to ask those questions, bring that up. And then sometimes we were given, this is an alternate view that is not forbidden by the church, but here's an alternate view. It might sit more easily in your heart. And even if it never came to a conclusion for me, which some of it did not, and please, if you're still with me, keep listening because I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Things didn't always sit 100% right with me. But in doing this, I was okay with not understanding and I was okay with disagreeing because my whole life I was taught that God is beyond the church by the church. There are 21 different rites within the Catholic Church in which many even have their own catechism. There are various accepted views on atonement, on heaven, on hell, even on things like sin. In the main book that people are taught Catholicism from, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which has a big podcast about out right now, it's from the 1980s. And it's essentially a greatest hits of accepted teachings. It even says that in the opening section. And it says that this shouldn't replace existing catechisms that have been approved or other accepted teachings. Now, that's not me saying the current catechism of the Catholic Church is bad. I think there are some things that desperately need to be tweaked. But my point is, is that there's more out there. And when I was feeling like I didn't get something, I was taught something else. But nonetheless, I still did not feel comfortable because I never got the mysticism. I never understood the spiritual system that I talked about in the last reflection. Now that I've spent all this time in front of the saints, I deeply understand and have experienced the mystical very intimately, and it's made me look back on the things I was taught in my upbringing. Why was I raised in such an open church and now I get it? And why does it look so different from the Catholicism and Christianity that I see today? And I cannot fully answer that. I don't know why. I do believe partially it's the political climate of the US. and the Puritan influence on American Christianity. But I've been able to back up what many people would consider liberal or open views of Catholicism. Everything I was taught that seemed open and progressive in my upbringing, even though it was taught by strict priests, I'm able to find it right there in the Catechism and the writings of Vatican II and the Church Fathers. And again, stick with me here. This blending 
now enhances my mode of the personal, and it's helped me to understand this open and love-first form of Christianity that I was raised in. Now, why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Are you trying to convert us? Are you trying to evangelize us? No, I'm not. I've been accused of a lot of things over the past year in this podcast, but one of which I've been accused of is that I'm trying to evangelize you. But let me be very clear, I'm not. At least not in the way that you're thinking. When someone comes to me and tells me that they've been told something traumatizing or hurtful, like something is a sin or there are only going to be so many people in heaven but most will be in hell, when I correct them and say, actually, here's a Catholic teaching, which is much more open than that, that's not me trying to stand up for Catholicism. That's me standing up for you. <laughs> it's for me to tell you that these wounds you have, there's no basis for them. And the people who are telling you these bigoted, awful things are just wrong. Now, like I've said many, 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 many times, and I'm gonna say it again, so please, I hope you're still listening. Just because the church does have more open, progressive, and loving beliefs in church documents, it does not mean that they are always enforced. It does not mean they always follow it, especially in the United States. But again, me showing you these alternate views is to ease your mind not to defend the Vatican. And I've also discovered that yes, at your home altar, you can find comfort, but there's comfort to be had in actual church teaching too. Are there bad things in there? Yes, yes there are. But I've been able to rectify my more liberal, open, love-first-based beliefs, which is what I was raised in, by priest, with actual teaching and mystical experience. So it's opened up my personal spirituality because I've never had to sit there with this thing in the back of my mind, like, well, the church does say this and I disagree. Because most of it, I've been able to find alternate things that the church still holds true. And again, is that W trying to stick up for the church? No, I'm trying to stick up for you. I'm trying to stick up for you and make you more comfortable at your home altar, to make you more comfortable in front of the saints. If that brings you back into God's house, amen. God's house will always be in your soul, will always be in your heart, and that's what I am focused on. And labels will always be a tricky thing. One of my favorite representations of my own spirituality and views upon labels comes from Buddha who said, I am just a raft. <laughs> when you reach the other side, you can let go. I feel that because God is bigger than labels. God goes beyond and transcends them. And me labeling myself as a Catholic, it's because one, I was baptized and confirmed in the church. But two, it's because what many people will refer to as folk Catholic, Catholic magic, witchcraft, so on and so forth, it's all right there and it's performed by Catholics. So for me to not use magic, so on and so forth, is because I believe everything that I have learned that is right there is a spiritual system that is powerful because it gives me direct communion to the divine. And moreover, 
some of the teachings that I have found and been exposed to over my life have made me see God in a way that is healing. And I hope that the way I see God, in which I have found in Catholic teachings, I'm not saying you have to be a Catholic, but I hope that the form of God that I know can heal the wounds of your heart too. And that is why I choose these labels, even though ultimately God is beyond them. So, what are some of the most surprising things, at least from writings, teachings, that have stood out to me? And again, some of this I was brought up on. And again, I'm not trying to convert you. I'm saying this to help heal any wounds you may have had. I've already mentioned some of them earlier. I've already mentioned quite a few in various episodes, so none of this should surprise you. I think the first is there's many accepted concepts of atonement. Atonement is how did Christ die for us. And this current one that was only instated in about the 16th century is this penal substitution theory in which God came as God to forgive us for the sins that we created, so God had to die for us so that he could forgive us for the sins. And um, there's a lot of things that don't sit right with me with that. By the way, I guess another thing is you can believe in many atonement theories. That's one thing, and I think there are truths in all of them. Because there is a truth there about cleansing and making something right. The one that is always stuck with me was the one that was believed by the church for 1,500 years, longer than the one we believe now. And that was the harrowing of hell, the Christus Victor. Christ, I'm not gonna go into Genesis, but just know that there was a death realm and people were stuck there until God was done with his creation. And when he was done with his creation, he incarnated as Jesus. Then Jesus died, went to hell, we often do not mention or discuss what he did in hell. The Orthodox do. What did he do? He tore down the gates of hell and freed the souls. So now everyone, every being, can be reunited with the Father. That is how he defeated death, literally. For now we're not trapped in the death realm. And this has really big spiritual significance to me, but also just from a plotline standpoint, it makes the Bible make more sense. There's a few other atonement theories that I still think have beautiful rays of truth, but my point here is that I was surprised that there was more than one teaching because I was only taught one. The second big thing that has given me a lot of comfort is the concept of sin and how it is more open than many people think. And remember how I said things are black and white, right or wrong. Sin has always been more of a gray area. First off, sin was more so taught for thousands of years that it was more so a stain. That is actually what is used in many Eastern Orthodox discussions of sin. It's a stain or a spiritual blockage is what I would say. And that stops you from communing with God, both here on earth and in the afterlife. It creates a distance from God. Similarly, this concept of venial and mortal sin, I think categorizing it is very difficult. For even in the Catechism, it is described as venial is a sin or a wrong or a distancing from God that 
stems from human nature, while a mortal one is a great evil that we did purposefully. We purposefully disobeyed to create evil. And I think most of the time sins would fall in the human nature category. But my point here is that something like sin is a lot more gray than what you might think. I still think the sacrament of confession is a beautiful thing because a priest prays over you to clear those blockages. Nonetheless, it's not so much a checklist that God is watching you like a voyeur, like a Santa Claus above, putting you on the naughty or nice list. No, it is an energetic blockage that stops you from feeling his love. And I was already taught things like the man with a good heart and conscience may enter God's kingdom. But there's this fun caveat there. And it says, those who have not found Christ or God through no fault of their own. And this is often interpreted as those who may not have been converted because they lived on a remote island or something. True, sure. But this also speaks to those who didn't find God because the wicked, evil Christians turned them away from him. Spiritual wounds caused by others that made people run away from their beloved, loving father, that too is through no fault of their own because it was no fault of their own that they were traumatized and hurt. Through no fault of their own because other people turned them away out of their hatred. Through no fault of their own because they were told that they are not loved, that they are disordered, that they are wrong, that they are dirty. Of course they turned away, and that too is through no fault of their own. The loving God would see that you not wanting to know him is not your fault, but the fault of others who placed a warped image of him in your mind. Similarly, and this goes back to my takeaways, my reflections on this push for a personal connection with God. And that's everywhere. <laughs> a universal call to holiness has been the mission of Vatican II for many decades now. What does that mean? It means that we are all called to be mystics. Saints too, but also mystics. We are all called to have personal, mystical experiences with God. There's a big push in this in all the teachings and the documents. It's rarely discussed because again, Meet your obligations. Take your vitamins and say your prayers. But no, there's more. There's more. Lexio Divina is something that is recommended you do as much as you can, and that is an inspired way of reading the Bible in which the Bible speaks to you. It gives you spiritual direction. Contemplative prayer in of itself in which we look at an image, read a story, something, and see what we are trying to learn. Ignatian imaginative prayer is similar. These all promote this very personal and mystical Catholicism that I think is lost. And again, I'm using the term Catholicism. Spiritual system of Catholicism. It's all there. But again, we have reduced 
spirituality to a set of rules. Sometimes a set of silly, petty, legalistic rules that promote God not as a loving father, but a trickster. But I can assure you that God is not a trickster God. So again, one thing I have found is that there's such a depth, not only in the spiritual systems I have been discussing in past reflections, but also in teachings and writings, which should allow you to have more comfort in praying, whether at home or in a church. Again, not saying this to evangelize you or change you, just saying this to soothe those wounds you may have. <laughs> I was also told once that I am trying to rebrand your view of God. And I probably should not even be giving these critiques airtime. But that one, you're right. I am trying to rebrand your view of God. But it's not a brand. Because I know this. And I know this God. Many of you and many of us have been told that you don't belong. That you're different. That you're disordered. That you're unworthy. That you're a dirty sinner. And I am trying to change your mind. Because God is not that. God is a loving Father who is constantly reaching out to you who is constantly calling for you. The parable of the prodigal son in which the son left and disgraced his family. And when he returned, he was expecting punishment. He was expecting to be a slave in the fields and to eat slop with the animals. But his father welcomed him with open arms, with a feast, with joy, with a smile, with tears in his eyes, saying, Son, you have returned. Son, you have returned. I love you. That is God. The merciful father, who no matter how far you stray away, will always accept you back. Is always looking for you. Who says and even knows that how you are is not disordered, it's not wrong, for God made you in wonderful, fearful ways. He mysteriously knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are God's final draft before he willed you into being. So yes, I'm trying to change your mind about God, because you have been told a lie. You have been told that God is a man of wrath, a man of war. And I am here to tell you he is a man of love. Or similarly, you have been told that God is this trickster who is going to damn you. If you do things wrong, if you say prayers wrong, if you pray too much, he's going to be mad at you. If you do not pray enough, he is going to be mad at you. You've been told that God is a petulant child king I am here to say no, he's a merciful, loving father. And that prayer is not a courtroom where you have to be on your knees and plead your case before a tyrant. Prayer is a romance. 
Prayer is a date with your beloved in which God is trying to romance you into light, not trick you into darkness. Because my God, again, is not a trickster God. So yes, I am trying to change your mind about God. Amen. <laughs>